19% of office space basically sitting empty and, you know, uh, you know, commercial loans having to come due in the office space, in retail space, where there's work from home, people are don't need that office space. Will that commercial real estate be the shoe to drop that freaks out the Fed and says, okay, high for longer is over. We need to reflate our economy. Get ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. Just recorded for 10 minutes and my freaking sound audio was terrible. So we're re-recording. So I've already got all the marbles out of my mouth and I'm going to say this all really fast. I'm going to tell you why. There's a false narrative when people talk about, oh, the Fed's going to cut in March. The Fed's going to cut in March. The Fed, that is a Fed funds futures hedge that portfolio and bank uh, managers use to hedge against their pipeline. And I'll get into that in a second. Explain where that narrative comes from. Have you heard that before? There's going to be six rate, hike, uh, rate cuts this year. I'm going to explain how that's a false narrative and where people get that from and where the truth really lies, kind of in the middle. But before we get to that, a little bit of housing news. Uh, there's a continuing resolution on the table for the Senate to pass and make sure our government is funded. They have until the end of this week to pass. Remember, the, the, the Congress has been doing these staggered, you know, we're going to fund this part of our government for another 30 days and then this part for another 30 days. And so they're going to work on that. And we have until the end of this week. But part of that battle and framework has been laid out to do yet another um, continuing resolution. So we will see how that plays out. What else is going on? Um, we know that the trade deficit, now the, Now I'm going to get to some signs of slowing growth, okay? Slowing economy, slowing growth, which remember, the Fed is fighting inflation. So if they're higher, well, first of all, we know they lied when they said higher for longer. They didn't raise it any higher. So when they said they're going to go higher, they never did. So now uh, they're high, and they're going to keep it there for longer. I don't think they're going to keep it much longer. I don't know how long longer is. Um, we know that the Fed was late to start uh, raising uh, the Fed funds rate to fight inflation, which they call transitory. And if you define transitory two to three or four years, then I guess you're right. Okay, so maybe they are correct. It is a supply chain transitory inflation uh, set on by a global pandemic. But uh, you know, for them with an endless balance sheet, I guess three years of us suffering with higher grocery costs and prices of everything was only transitory, nearly transitory anyway. Uh, so then they took too long uh, to raise, start raise uh, hiking. And remember two years ago, by the way, the Fed put out an SEP, a summary of economic projections saying what they will do next year. They said, yeah, we're just going to do 90 basis points of Fed funds rate hikes. Well, 525 to 550 basis points later, Okay, so they were wrong in what they said. Uh, they raised too much, uh, probably too fast, and now they've been holding too long. And now they're saying um, on the December 13th SEP, Summary of Economic Projections, the dot plot, that in the year 24, which we're now in, there will be 75 basis points of rate hikes. Probably going to be more than that. And, and so, you know, every meeting, every data point that comes out, they are can revise those numbers. And the next time we get to see what um, their SEP, their dot plot is, is at the March meeting, which I believe is March 20th. So a lot can change between that, then and now. Now, 
the CPI came out um, last week, and uh, they got into some inflation data, and there's some information there that kind of got the market spooked at first. Oh my gosh, it went up 0.4%. Inflation's hot. They're not going to raise. They're not going to cut in March, which I'll explain why that's a false narrative. Half of that 0.4% increase in inflation on the CPI report is from auto insurance going up. Auto insurance. Now, for those that watch CNBC, Tom Lee of Fundstrat, who's a brilliant analyst, um, you know, I actually pay for his one. $199 a month subscription to get their Fundstrat insights. So I'm paying for extra knowledge. I'm sharing some little nuggets with you here and there. Um, they said it was a statistical residual that is not predictive of future inflation. What do they mean by that? If half of that increase on inflation in the CPI report was from auto insurance going up, well, that's because two years ago, three years ago, when used car prices were going astronomical because of supply chain issues and there weren't enough cars being made, that then those higher priced used cars had to be insured. And then those claims start to come along over the years and they cost more money. What's that to do with the Fed, the Fed now, inflation now and today? It doesn't. And that's a good point that he makes. Um, we all know that new rents on new apartments and multifamilies are lower. We know that there's a lag effect of the rent data in the CPI uh, reports. We know there's a lag effect of home prices from a year ago. Uh, if you look at the last three months of inflation data, we're below 2% if you analyze that out. Same, and it's six, a six-month trend, the last six months, I think we're like 2.2, 2.4%. That's on trend to get us where we need to go. So how long is the Fed going to wait to decide whether to cut rates? And, and why, why is the Fed fund futures contract a false narrative? Well, before I get that, let me just set up one more thing. Trade deficit, okay? We know that we're, you know, our import and export, like what's the deficit between the two? Like, are we importing more? Uh, are we exporting more? You know, we're net exporter, which is great. But if both levels come down, the difference between the two is one thing. But if the level, billions of dollars of less imports and billions of dollars of less imports, regardless of the spread between the two, that is a sign of a weakening global economy. Third month in a row, China has deflationary prices, disinflation, and we are importing it, which we saw in the PPI. Manufacturing here, still recessionary, still below uh, growth, okay? So we know these are signs of growth going down, which the Fed, talk about a soft landing. Every time we lose more jobs, every time labor gets softer, every time growth gets softer or slower, it is less and less of a soft landing and the landing gets harder. So uh, the quit rates, 2.2%. The sign of a strong labor market is someone can quit their job and be confident they can get a new job and get higher wages. We're at the lowest level since March of 21. The peak at the end of 21 for that quit rate was 3%. That quit rate has come down to 2.2. That's weakening labor. And we also know there's only 8.8 .8 million job openings for every worker that's out there. We used to have over 11.7 million, two jobs for every unemployed person out there waiting for them. No wonder they're quitting. Not the case right now. So, uh, and again, the Fed Atlanta GDP estimate for Q4, shopping season, holiday season, consumer-driven economy, 70% of our GDP, down to 2.2%. Down from Q3, that was like 4 point whatever percent. Growth is slowing. So how hard is this landing going to get? Now, let me talk about um, uh, the Fed Fund futures contract. So when you hear everyone say, Oh, March cuts are off the table now because the CPI report last week came in hot. 
Well, just dissected the CPI report for you. The bond market didn't go up, okay? It went below 4% after that CPI report. Uh, Fed Waller spoke today, and he kind of freaked everyone out. That kind of got the market to go up. But we have a PCE uh, number coming out next week, the personal consumption expenditure number coming out. That is the Fed deflator. That is the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation, which, by the way, has a lot less housing component in it, um, which is a major source of inflation. I mean, you know, cars and houses are like 60% of the CPI report. So the PC, it's a little bit less than that. So if you are a bank or portfolio manager, you will trade Fed funds futures. It's a cash settled contract. It's not a stock and equity. It's not a call or put option. It is a Fed funds. There's you can trade longer hours. You got much longer, uh, much uh, more leverage, like twenty to one leverage, some crazy number like that. And it's a great way to hedge your pipeline. So when you see the CME tool that says the Fed funds future contract for March, which by the way expire at the end of March, that's March twenty eighth, the last trading day, um, versus when the Fed's meeting is in March, which is March 20th, the next time there's an SEP uh, dot plot, summary of economic projections, there's time between then and now where these portfolio managers and bank managers are saying, hey, I have all these bonds in my portfolio, but if another pandemic started tomorrow, we know that yield prices would come down on treasuries, equities would come down and we'd lose tons, but if you're betting for Fed funds to come down, these future con uh, contracts would get in the money more so, and you would have um, a cash uh, windfall to offset these losses in these other instruments. So when you see the, there's six, it's basically 150 basis points in 2024, divided by 25 basis points. There's six cuts coming this year. The market says six cuts. They're cutting in March. Not necessarily. These are hedging tools by portfolio managers and banks. Where do we lie? Probably somewhere in between what the Fed fund says uh, on the CME tool and what the Fed dot plot says. And again, the Fed was wrong two years ago. They said there was only going to be 90 basis points of rate hikes. We have 525 to 550 basis points of hikes later. Uh, earnings season's out. Let's see how these stocks uh, land. Every stock for himself. We'll get back to you later this week. Cheers. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. Well, it's about 8.30 Thursday night, and we are rolling into the weekend, and um, I just am reading all these great tributes to Dave Stevens. I just want to take a couple minutes here to talk about him and um, how he impacted me personally and PRMG and uh, just give a little different perspective. Um, man, I was just texting him three weeks ago, just um, you know, giving him a compliment, saying you know what, you know, what a great leader is, and I will actually um, share that message um, down below in the comments. Um, I cut my video here Tuesday night, and I found out of his Tuesday evening passing, Wednesday morning, like many of us did. Um, I recently, last time I saw him face to face, was um, at the NAMA National Association of Mortga uh, Minority Mortgage Bankers of America. Um, the NAMA Connect was in Orlando at the JW Marriott, and um, I was able to do, I guess, introduction of a session that he was in. Rob Chrisman uh, was on, which Rob had a great tribute. Um, actually talking about that same uh, last face-to-face -face meeting in his Christmas blog today. Uh, Mitch Kider was there and Tony Thompson and um, got to spend some time with Dave both before um, and after that panel and uh, just smiling and happy and just energetic and just, you know, positive. You know, someone fighting cancer, which sucks. My mother-in-law passed 
turned 62 on a Friday and passed of pancreatic cancer two days later after a 27 month battle. Um, and I know how quickly, um, at the end when cancer um, gets into your lungs, um, how quickly someone that literally just days before you're having conversation with and everything is great. And then next thing you know, they're gone. So it's very sudden. This is awful. Um, uh, but man, what a great advocate. FHA commissioner, president and CEO of the NBA. Um, so many great things. Barry Habib had a great tribute uh, to him on his podcast that I just listened to back during COVID. Uh, but Barry and Dave Stevens spoke a couple times to our PRMG team internally, um, just talking about what's going on. You know, uh, this is what's going on in the market. This is what Treasury is up to. This is what the Fed is up to. And just being a voice of reason and experience and calm in a tumultuous time. And so uh, just love the way he always was uh, willing to serve and give back. Never forget those times where he um, gave willingly to our company. And, um, and of course, Chris Whalen, um, you know, had a fantastic uh, tribute to him. You know, what would Dave Stevens think about Basel III, you know? And um, I love it. You know, just a great tribute there as well. And, of course, our current MBA president and CEO, Bob Brooksman, had a nice, um, uh, you know, um, article and press release. So, um FAMP camp, so many different organizations just giving a good tribute. So what more can you say? Um, he'll be missed sorely. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, let's just put a freaking close the door on 23 and out with all that and let's move forward just how he would want us to in a positive manner, helping out and serving the underserved. Okay, so let's talk about housing and let's transition into that. Um, you know, rates have kind of, Take a little uptick. You know, we watch the 10-year treasury. Remember, rates don't go up and down in a straight line. And the 10-year treasury has kind of gotten up in that 4.1, 4.2 uh, range. I think, uh, you know, if I look over here um, at the MBS Highway, um, I think it closed at 4.16. Now, 4.2 is a 50 moving day average, I believe, and they just broke above. And that's kind of a level of resistance. You see if the data um, pushes um, the 10-year treasury higher. What kind of data would push it up? Hawkish comments from uh, Fed uh, uh, member uh, Governor Waller. Um, retail sales that were positive. But we have GDP coming out next week, which we know the Atlanta Fed has said it's going to be around 2.2%, uh, maybe 2%. Um, so we'll get a read on Q4 GDP, the first read. Um, jobless claims actually went down today. So that's a strength of a labor market. Remember, the labor market's interesting. We have been creating jobs and haven't broken the labor market, but all this creation of jobs was just getting our employment level to pre-COVID levels. So it's not like it, we, we went down so far and now we're back to where we were pre-COVID. So, you know, are we going to grow from there, right? I mean, our labor structure in this country, you know, the workforce that, you know, able-bodied workers, the age of men and women that can work, um, you know, they can only contribute so much, right? Um, you know, uh, so so yeah, there's signs of strength and the labor market isn't softening, but it's just getting back to pre-COVID levels, really. So um, it's not like it's growing. So we'll see how that all squares out, um, you know, um, with the Labor Day that comes out. Inflation, which is the fight. We still think inflation is down and trending, um, at least on a three and six month average at the level that the Fed wants. So they could cut. So- if they don't cut um, sooner rather than later, it's because they're worried about inflation reigniting, um, which we all now know inflation was transitory. If you define it over a couple of years as a transitory time frame, 
and supply chain uh, supply chain driven. And so um, rates being at 525 to 550, car loans, uh, which we know car um, you know car industry has come down quite a bit on um, on sales and the used car prices have come down. Um, personal loans coming down. Student debt now reigniting, taken away from purchasing power. Mortgages, higher rates up to 8% last year, trending down, obviously. Um, and so in interest rate sensitive things, um, small businesses having to take out loans. Um, 19% of office space basically sitting empty and, you know, uh, you know, commercial loans having to come due in the office space, in retail space, where there's work from home, people are don't need that office space. Will that commercial real estate be the shoe to drop that freaks out the Fed and says, okay, high for longer is over. We need to reflate our economy. Maybe they start with quantitative easing by reducing the quantitative tightening before cutting the Fed funds rate um, and making um, the money supply grow again. Um, you know, we've been talking about quantitative tightening. They've been talking about it actually a lot lately, reducing the quantitative tightening. So that is a form of easing. So uh, you know, we have to listen to those comments. That's just a precursor for what's to come. And they told us in December 13th, they're going to cut the rates. And so um, I know I kind of hammered the point home, and I want to give another insight here um, that the Fed Fund's future contract on the CME tool, uh, remember, that's also Fed Fund futures being bought as a hedge against volatile movements in the market maybe as soon as March. Um, and so a lot can happen between now and the end of March when Fed Fund's futures um, actually, um, you know, expire, those contracts expire. So again, that's not like the, when you go to the CME tool, the question is, it, it, when's the first rate cut? Answer here. They're buying Fed funds futures and they're spreading them out, you know, um, betting where they think the Fed funds could come down, which could come down for a myriad of reasons. Okay. Um, so inflation is still the number one battle. The personal consumption expenditure, the Fed's preferred measure, also known as the Fed deflator comes out next week. Here's my insight. For those that watch CNBC, you see Tom Lee, um, you know, founder of Fundstrat. And, you know, some people kind of use a cop-out term and call him a permabull. But the market wants to be a bull. We all want to be productive. We are productive. We want to do more business. We are bullish. Okay, so, so it's okay to want to do more business and grow things. That doesn't mean that, you know, um, you know being positive all the time you know, and being called a perma bull is a bad thing. The market wants to be a bull, right? And so, but there are times when the market is bearish. We had a bearish market a year ago. So he had an insight. I, I pay extra money. So I'm sharing something with you, Funstrat Insights. And I was on a call watching him and his head technical trader, Mark Newton, speak for an hour. It was awesome. They did a survey to their members, but also did a survey to institutional traders and investors. And they asked him, point blank, not what the CME tool says. Oh, six cuts this year, 150 divided by quarters, six. That, that's a tool. Point blank. When is the first Fed rate cut? 50% of respondents on the institutional side, you know, the smart people, the traders, which they don't always get it right, right? They said, the answer was May or June. And 50% said May or June. Um, I think it was less than 30% said March. So uh, again, I think, if the smart money out there, which um, you know, I've been—I'm I'm not calling myself smart money by any means—but the smart money um, is um, is a May or June cut, the first cut, and a lot can happen between then and now. A lot of data coming out. By the way, it's earnings season, 
Uh, Microsoft is officially a larger company than Apple, but Apple got a nice little boost from Bank of America analysts today, and boom, Apple stock went up. Not a financial advisor, not responsible for your losses, only your profits. But the Fang stocks, great trade last year. I mean, best businesses in the world, arguably. A lot of free flowing cash. Heck, 5% of their earnings comes just from them buying back their own stock and their return on capital. Anyway, lots going on this week. We'll look out for a great long weekend. See you in New Orleans at the IMB. RIP Dave Stevens. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.